Alright, welcome back to another episode of Handing with the Monster Podcast, episode 36. And I talk to the band, My Eyes Fall Victim. We talk about their new album, which will also be their last album, they let me know, called Raise the Black Flag. I talk about what plans they have once things start to open after COVID gets dealt with, uh, where they recorded at and who they recorded with. Uh, what the crowds will be like, and what the kids starting a band will be like after the pandemic ends. Also exploring different sounds when recording this new album that they did. Also, they have a new drummer on this and brought in a few of their friends to do guest vocals. Uh, The people who were added for guest vocals were from local bands that they've played with and They hope to uh, be on a few shows of theirs towards the end, so we'll see what that's like. Uh, Local scenes and venues, and what did Coven do to them both? We talk about all that and more, so without further delay, let's crank those jams. Ginger Murray's <laughs> both of your, them. No, your wife's not in the band. Tell her to leave. <laughs> hello, hello. Uh, where's where's your video, Evan? Are you not presentable? <laughs> Are you decent? <laughs> I have a snowball microphone. I left it at school yesterday, and I'm kicking myself in the pants because. Uh, would have made the audio a little bit better, but I think this mic is this audio okay from uh from my Mac. I'm just using my Mac's microphone. Yeah, that works. It sounds cool. decent. Yeah. There he is, Evan. There he is. Evan, why do you look like a fucking Navy helicopter pilot? You <laughs> <laughs> didn't even hear it. <laughs> All right, I think I should be good now. Can you guys hear me? Yep. Aye, aye, All right. <laughs> Sorry for the delay, gentlemen. <laughs> Bombs away. <laughs> Indeed, he's, he's a secret drone pilot. That's what he's doing. He just had to hop on the ship. Never realized mission. How dark just in the it middle is of getting rid of some civilians, and you guys interrupted. So <laughs> nice. Well, thank you guys for uh, all for doing this. Yeah, of course. Thanks for oh, having. This us. is awesome. Thanks for having us, man. Uh, nice meeting all of you uh, from this. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess we could just start with the. Uh, the Marvel uh, story, <laughs> how uh, how how you guys know all, all each other? Uh, how long of a podcast is this? <laughs> <laughs> and go. <laughs> uh, no, gosh, um, so like the, the way way beginning was back in was it eighth grade or freshman year of high school? Um, right. Me and Dan, on. who are brothers, were Dan started a band called Waking Dream. Um, uh-huh. He did guitar and vocals. I joined on bass and. Uh, while playing in that band, I didn't like how Dan ran the band at the time. I thought he was a little too tyrannical and uh, a little bit of a dictator. So I ended up uh, leaving that band because I wanted to start my own thing. Um, gone. So I started a band called Beyond Repair, um, 
I think the first one that joined was our old drummer, Andrew. And then Evan, if I'm not mistaken, he just came up to you in high school once and was like, hey, do you want to be in a band? Without consulting me. <laughs> yeah, like a super weirdo. I just walked up to me playing the piano. He's like, you can play a piano. Did you write that? And I said, yeah. And he was like, you should be in the band. So that's how I came to be. So then he joined. Yeah. And we were beyond repair for a couple of years. It was like piano-based rock. Um, Evan had the, the structure for a lot of the songs and we kind of built on top of that. Um, and then we started getting into like heavier music and we were sort of evolving beyond where our guitar levels at the time were at. And um, at one point, one of the guitarists that we had left and we were looking for another one and everyone in the band was like, oh, Mike, you know, your brother is a really good guitarist. We should ask him. Yeah. And I was like, no, you guys don't understand. He's going to take over the band. That's why I left Waking Dream. <laughs> um, but eventually I got outvoted and we brought Dan on and... Um, <laughs> Not too long after that, we, we changed from Beyond Repair to My Eyes Fall Victim because we started adding screaming and heavier guitar parts and focusing less on the piano. So we felt it deserved a name change. And yeah, and, uh, you know, like 10 or something years later, here we are. And it was also about that point that Dan started taking over the band. So it, it right. all worked out as planned. <laughs> the master plan. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, worked. maybe more of like a, a Marvel villain origin story. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Loki. Yeah. <laughs> it all worked out. <laughs> but yeah, we've because... had a lot of uh, member changes over the years, right? So we've had a couple drummers. We've had a couple bassists. We... Um, we're the original three, but obviously the lineup has changed over time as we've gone along and produced different albums. Yeah. Cool, cool. And actually yeah. the, the lineup for our the stuff that we're currently in the process of uh, releasing, uh, this is the first time this lineup of six uh, has worked together on a record. So um, our other guitar, guitar player, Tyler, uh, had been a part of the band after our last record. But this yep. is the first record where Tyler's Tyler's been on board for the entire time. Mm -hmm. um, Alex, our bass player, who's phenomenal, he's been with us for a while. Um, and then Rob, uh, our drummer, he just hopped on just for this record. So this last record is the the most recent time that all six of us have actually been on an album together, which has been a really fun process. Which honestly credit to him because he jumped on with the entire premise of, hey, you want to help us kill the band? And he was totally cool with that. So kudos <laughs> to Rob on that one. We were like, Rob, you want to come on for one last job? And he's like, I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> How has it been working with uh, six, six members? We're used to it. Yeah. There's always too many cooks in the kitchen, but it's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everybody kind of has their say. and Yeah, I'll be honest, like, Working with everyone's fine, except for these two that are on the call with me right now. Uh, <laughs> when they have philosophical differences, there's also the brother component compounding it. So it can get oh, uh, a little yeah. heated, but we always find the best resolution. I think through the conflict, it honestly uh, gives us the best results in the end. Yeah. I was also in a, a band with my brother, too. So I kind of know how that goes, where it's everybody else it can kind of deal with. And then him. it's a little bit easier to argue with your brother. You've got a lot yeah, of practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And at that time, I also, uh, we lived together too. So it was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, a roommate too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so your new album coming out, Raise the Black Flag. Um, you want to talk a, a little bit about that? Uh, how, how you came up with the name for it? And I think Dan was the one that first floated that idea. So he can speak to that. Yeah, we um, are our last record before the one that's currently coming out came out in 2014. It's yeah. called uh, Sometime Come the Mother, Sometime the Wolf. 
so that record already is, you know, six, seven years old. And a few years after it, we started working on material. But we were kind of hitting, um, I would say, as a band creatively. Um, and in some ways, we we're just kind of hitting a wall. You know, we, we weren't playing a ton of shows. Um, so we kind of came up with this idea that we knew that the band had, had been going for quite a long time. Um, and we knew we still had more material to write and more things to say musically. Um, but we were trying to find the right vehicle of what we wanted to do. Do we want to focus on playing shows? Do we want to write some new material? If we do write material, at this point, we had already done two and a half albums, an EP and two full length records. Um, we knew we weren't expecting the, the band to be our big break at this point. So it was, we were just doing it for the love of it and the love of music. So we kind of came up with this idea. And I think Mike was one of the people that uh, helped bring up this idea. It was like, hey, we've been at this for a while. Wouldn't it be cool to write one final record and just go out with like a final stand approach? Uh, yeah. And that was kind of a neat idea. Like, hey, let's do one final record. Um, and then we can kind of put the band to rest on our terms after being together for so long. Because we changed, the name got changed to Myers Fall Victim in 2007. So we've been a band at this point for, for 14 years. And if you count Beyond Repair, Waking Dream, we're going back even before then. So we've all been together creatively for a very long time. Mm -hmm. So we came up with this idea of Raise the Black Flag to write an album literally about the end of the band or the end of anything, really, whether it's a life or a relationship um, and, how you and how you approach that. How do you approach something knowing it's the end? Do yeah. you surrender? Do you fight it? Uh, and we kind of came up with the idea of what if you embrace the end? but you rise to meet it as a challenge and you embrace it. Um, and this album has kind of become kind of our own story and kind of us working through our own emotions of knowing something that we've been a part of for so long and that we love is, is slowly coming to an end, mm -hmm. um, but kind of ending it on a positive note. You know, the black flag to us represents the opposite of a white flag. It's not surrender. Uh, it's going out, you know, with a bang on our terms, guns right. blazing type thing. Mm -hmm. And once right. we got on the same page of we wanted to write a final record and we wanted to be our final last stand, it just yeah. kind of liberated us creatively. And in terms of the themes on the album, musical themes, lyrical themes, um, it just kind of kickstarted us all into high gear for writing. Um, yeah. And it has been a long process to get this album finished um, because of COVID and other things. Oh, but yeah. it, it has been, you know, at least for me, my favorite album um, that we've done. Um, and it's been a lot of fun putting it together. We're super excited for people to start being able to hear it. We got two singles out and the, the rest of the album is going to be coming out shortly. So that's kind of the idea behind Raise the Black Flag. Oh, okay. Yeah. How, how does that play uh, into uh, everything with this being kind of uh, your favorite record and knowing this will be uh, the last one? Uh, it's bittersweet. You know, it's kind of like, I mean, anything when you, when you know it's the end of something, there's... Uh, a level of, of sadness in it yeah. but this this album especially like you know it's it's me being in a band with my brother um evan tyler alex rob we're all also really close friends we all get along great yeah so there's a bittersweet element like oh it's it's sad that it's ending but there's also this great feeling of like but look what we did we're so happy with the way this album came out and we're just yeah. excited to share it with it we're enjoying every moment of this kind of like this release stage you know where we, we have two singles out uh we did another podcast like two weeks ago. Um, we're getting to like share the artwork and stuff with people. So now this oh, is nice. the exciting time where it's, it's spring and we're sharing everything we've been working on for a couple of years now. Yeah. So it, there's a bittersweet sadness to it, but it's also really exciting. And yeah. it kind of feels like, uh, you know, just we're kind of trying to do the band and the album justice on our way out sort of thing. Mm -hmm. 
are some of are some of the uh, the clubs and places uh, to play shows starting to open up a little bit where you guys are at or not really no <laughs> the local scene has not really come back yet so that's the other thing is like when we originally came up with this idea to you know put the band to bed we had you know dreams of like well we'll put together like you know a bunch of last shows there's you yeah. know places in new jersey and then places in other states you know from times that we've done small tours where we've built you know small followings and you know fans yeah. that we'd love to see again and we had all these dreams of like oh we'll go play you know a bunch of last shows and maybe one big last final show and yeah, then that'll yeah. really be it now it's not so clear when that's going to be a possibility so it's kind of <laughs> extending the life of the band because we don't want to go out without doing that like <laughs> right right <laughs> it yeah it might be another year or two yeah you put so much into uh doing this last album you can't you know yeah, yeah. i would yeah. say that a lot of uh a lot of the last album's themes and and frankly if you look back through our history a lot of the album content has always been coming to terms with something right whether it be uh the part of life that we are going through or coming to terms with the end of the band and and i think honestly the fact that we're releasing something that acknowledges an end and kind of deals with all of the emotions associated with it i think a lot of people are going through that right now especially with what we're talking about in the arts industry right so there's a lot of unwelcome ends to uh you know careers frankly or a lot of dreams that kind of got either put on hold or completely canceled so I think in some way or another, I think it's, it happens to be that this is the end of the band. We had planned this beforehand, but I think there's a lot of people who are encountering a similar feeling uh, and dealing with the grief of that. So I think it's a, a timely album. I think a lot of people are in the same space that we are. And uh, this one was planned, but it wasn't planned for everybody. So I right. think that that's worth acknowledging as well. All right. Awesome. Uh, wh- where did you guys go to uh, record this one? So we recorded at a uh, backroom studios, which is in Rockaway, New Jersey, um, mm-hmm. which is like a, a studio in like the, the basement of this larger building. There's like a, a gym above yeah. it that you can kind it's of hear. Sometimes. Oh yeah. I saw the, yeah. Uh, the photos of it online. It looks really extravagant. <laughs> yeah. It's nice. It, like, I mean, we used to rent a practice room there. Um, yeah. But you know, at the time that we rented the practice room, we were preparing to record our last album, which we recorded with Kevin Kumetz um, at Barbershop Studios. Okay. Um, and we'd even, you know, talked at one time with Kevin and Treason, who uh, does the producing here at uh, Backroom, about you know maybe we would record with them. We ended up going with Kevin Kumetz, and then you know when it came to time to do this last album, we were like, well, well, what if? Like we never, you know, got to record with Kevin and treason before who is a fantastic producer he you know uh, was in dillinger escape plan that fantastic band so um used to be a knife to glitter before that so he's got a a long history in the scene um and really does great work over there um so we worked it out with him and it was like the most fun recording experience ever he's just a a really down-to-earth guy who like loves to just joke the whole time so there's never really any stress in the studio with him um but he's also, he knows exactly what he's doing. He got some great organic sounds for us, yeah. um, which I think is, is great for this last record. Yeah, he's a, uh, he's a phenomenal musician. He's an incredible guitar player. He's super laid back, super knowledgeable. And yeah, he's just like a guitar tone aficionado. So it was like a dream come true to walk in. He just has this huge wall of different guitar heads that you can choose from. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All sorts of stuff. We ended up going uh, heavy use of his Friedman amp collection. He even let us play 
one of his guitars. He's got a Vergier guitar that he had played when he was in Dillinger Escape Plan. Oh, so nice. he's just, he's the type of guy where when he's running your session, like his house is your house. He brings you in, he makes you feel at home. Um, and he's got just this amazing setup. Uh, and it was like even better than we had hoped for recording with them. And it ended up being a longer process than expected because everything got interrupted by COVID. Oh, and yeah. we, we as a band by na nature, take a long time to do stuff we're kind of yeah. like we move kind of a bit at a, a glacial pace when it comes to things <laughs> um but in terms of actually working with kevin and at backroom studios it was has just been an awesome experience yeah and yeah how did that work out uh with covid it, did uh like one of you have to come at a time then being six of you so when when everything started shutting down we had already tracked uh drums guitar have we tracked bass at that point uh yeah i think so yeah we had, i think we, had, we were we were about to move on to vocals and we had correct. vocal dates scheduled and this was like early march april of 2020 okay um, yeah and then it kind of became like well i don't know if this is like the smart thing to do to go into like a, a closed room with like six other people yeah um yeah. so and i think he ended up i can't remember if he ended up getting shut down just he by did, yeah. regulations in the state so we kind of were just like pushing dates back like month by month being like you know well we can't do this one. Let's see if it's better in a month. And it got yeah. pushed back to like later in that spring. And I think it was probably around May or June that we finally ended up going in. Uh -huh. um, and then it's kind of like Dan said, we do kind of work at a, a slower pace. So like, you know, we would get a lot done in these sessions, but there's so many vocal tracks on our songs because we have four vocalists, gang vocals, you know, different oh, types okay. of screaming and singing. Yeah. Um, so we, we kind of would just, you know, pick a weekend here and there whenever we could. And then it also started working out where like he's, you know, wasn't busy for a while during COVID, but then he got backed up because everyone's trying to book and reschedule. Uh, yeah. And so yeah, everyone's really, trying to do their really stuff, hard to right? get on the yeah. calendar. At that just, point. Uh, <laughs> just imagine the wedding industry, right? Same thing, but just with, with regards to the recording studio. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We did have, kinda... we had, um, we had someone who was real great, uh, Ronnie Hammond, um, who used to play in some bands around the area, and he's a, an intern over at Backroom. And we got comfortable with him. And once Kevin knew that we sort of knew our, our way around the studio and how he likes to do his process, then yeah. we started booking like late night sessions with Ronnie so that we could get on the calendar after the calendar. And, yeah. you know, so we'd go in there at like eight at night and record until like 11 or 12, uh -huh. um, just with Ronnie, the intern, just to find time where we could so that it wouldn't take right. longer to get the record out. Nice. Yeah, I kind of imagine it'll be the same thing uh, once uh, everyone starts touring too, with everyone wanting uh, wanting oh, to, to, to get the their venues again. Yeah. yeah, get their band all in so many venues, even with uh, some venues not being able to continue uh, w after this and stuff. So yeah. there'll be less venues, less ven venues open with more bands trying to get all in at the beginning and. It'll, it'll be crazy to see what happens with all that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what the, the pipeline is like as well with like, you know, when like when the venues were around and kids were going to shows and, you know, getting inspired, inspired, you know, as a young kid to like start a band, like, are yeah. we going to see like a little bit of a dip there where like, you know, right. maybe not as many kids are interested in starting bands for a year or two because they didn't <laughs> have that experience of going to a show or, you know, yeah. probably weren't able to get together in a garage with their friends and you know, right around on the guitar and stuff I'm, I'm curious to see what that's going to be like or when they were trying to start they don't have a, a place to play or any any yeah you know. yeah 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 i mean not to mention i think that the the dynamics have slowly been shifting anyway right so i think that traditionally it's always been primarily you're a band and you play places 
and yeah. you also might put out actual records and back in the day there were physical records yeah. but now i think the precedence is really let's write a, an album put that album out and then we can also support that by playing shows so it'll be interesting to see um, yeah. what the younger generation looks to and you know how they kind of animate the scene themselves right right for sure <laughs> yeah with this being uh your fourth album uh do, do you notice uh big changes th- throughout each one uh coming up to this one um, I, I think on this one, it, it had more to do with it being the last album. So like uh, a lot of it was we did intentionally try to write stuff that was similar to what we had done before, you know, to go back to the classics of what makes a Maya's Fall Victim song. But then on the other half of it, there you know, there's stuff that we've never done before um, where it was kind of like, well, it's the last album. So you got to do it now or never. So like we have right. an acoustic, acoustic Now's your chance to get it in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We had an acoustic song on this one that we've never done, you know, like officially as Maya's Fall Victim. Um, we have a song that's in drop A or two songs that are in drop A. It's a tuning we've never used before. Oh, okay. um, so it was really fun to explore that space. Um, we wrote a, a nine minute like for lack of a better term, like basically a doom metal song, which we've never done, at least for oh. part of it, you know, oh, that was wow. something, but yeah, so it's a logical progression. I don't think anyone's going to listen to this album and think, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is them. They're going to hear what's kind of been our traditional sound, but uh-huh. just definitely some new things that we haven't done before. Like okay. Mike said, you know, and definitely, you know, the mindset of like, this is it, you know, yeah. if you, if you want to do something crazy, who cares? This is the end. Like just, so it was, that's <laughs> yeah. a, it's a very, it's a very liberating thing as an artist when you're just kind of like, well, you oh, know yeah. what? We're just doing this. There's, there's no holds barred, no holds barred <laughs> yeah. living like yeah. there's no tomorrow. So that's right. kind of a very liberating feeling when you're, when you're making something. Yeah. It's also topically, uh, definitely probably our most different one because, you know, um, you know, our EP was just kind of the songs that we had at that point it was our, the first music we had written. Um, and then the two full lengths after that, we did write with a purpose, but it was it was more around this this theme we were exploring of, you know, love without conditions and you know forgiveness at all costs. Um, and this is the first one that that isn't really necessarily about that, and it's it's self referential and sort of meta in a lot of aspects, which you know we've done one or two songs about before, but like the whole album is about this. Um, so I think it will be fun for you know old fans to listen to this and hear sort of a, a new angle on the way we approach songs yeah yeah and new fans right that's why we're here today that's right yeah. <laughs> new fans yeah, welcome yeah. to the journey uh you're coming <laughs> into the final chapter but hi and goodbye yeah for sure <laughs> yeah where was everyone uh coming then with uh new ideas w- w- when they uh when it was first uh talked about then yeah, it was, it, you know, like I said, like once we decide like, hey, let's do this and here's like the framework of what we're going to do. Um, I just, it felt like it liberated everybody. Like, and yeah. we had, I don't want to say we had writer's block, but we definitely, yeah. I think we we're just trying to figure out what our purpose was. And uh-huh. it's kind of a, a morbid and crazy thing to say, but sometimes you're like, hey, let's write. And then like, then it's going to be the end. It, it actually give, gave us such a trajectory to work with. And yeah. Like I said, this was our first time, like Rob, literally, we told Rob, our new drummer up front, hey, we want to write a final record, we we'll do some farewell stuff, and then we want to break up. It was like, get in, loser, we want to break up a band. And Rob was like, sign me up, man. So <laughs> Rob Rob is, so we have a new drummer for the first time. He was the, we've, he was the first um, drummer that we, first drummer change we had had in a very long time. So like, that was a cool new thing. Tyler, our guitar player, who's just a phenomenal musician. This was the first record where he was on the entire writing process. So his 
literal singing voice and his compositional voice are all over the album. Um, and everyone, I think, kind of brought their A game because they knew that this was like, this was it, you know? So in terms of bringing uh, material to the table, everyone was just bringing great ideas. And in retrospect, some of the songs went through such a crazy, um, almost chaotic development process, but where yeah. things ended up, we ended up being very happy with the way things kind of shook out on the album. Yeah. It was very strange in the early goings of the writing process um, because yeah. uh, you know, sort we had, through everybody's ideas. And <laughs> well, and also because we had moved on from a, a previous drummer and we were in the process of trying out a few drummers in the beginning. Um, oh, okay. So it was like half us like writing our own drums with like garage band, like sort of just, you know, putting him in like the, the MIDI there. So we had something to play along with and then yeah. having other guys join us for a practice or two to see if it worked. And, you know, some of their ideas did end up like making it onto the record. Um, like Sean Henry, who is on, I think one of the songs we're playing today, um, uh -huh. a lot of bands in our area, we tried him out on drums for a while. Um, it, it didn't end up being a fit, but there, there are some parts that we worked on that became the framework uh, for drum beats that Rob ended up using later on the album. So we credit him for that. And, it was just it was very different to to write without a drummer a solid drummer for the first you know couple songs in the album to bring rob on and be like well this is what we have on drums and have mm -hmm. him sort of put his own spin on it and then to hear the songs that rob came up with completely on his own on drums so there's a good mix on there yeah yeah i mean i think we'd be lying though if we said uh you know it was pure creation the entire time and there were never any doldrums right because i think that everyone kind of hits their creative sprint at different points. And there were definitely moments where a lot of people were carrying a lot more weight than everybody else. And it just kind of like is passing the torch back and forth based on who finds inspiration when. So it, it's interesting to see the dynamics of how things start to slowly piece together and uh, where the ideas come from as it starts to take shape. So what can fans expect uh, with the new album? Uh, new fans or maybe old fans too that have come from four albums ago and still listening to Art, go ahead, Mike. No, I was just gonna. I, I, I think they're probably gonna hear the most mature album, um, you know, just by the fact that you know we're all thirty or pushing thirty in the band at this point now, um, you know, and you know we came from writing songs in like the early like scene era where it was you know it'd be like a full sentence for a song title, and you know, we've come come certainly a long way from there. Um, but I, I do think there are elements, you know, from our last record uh, in 2014. Um, that you can hear here. There are elements from We Are All Without Merit from 2011 that mm -hmm. you can hear here as well. Um, and then, you know, stuff that they've never heard from us before. So yeah. uh, I've heard people say that it, parts of it feel like a throwback album okay. in a good way. Um, so I think people can certainly expect that. And then, you know, we're obviously we're pulling from current references as well. So I think there's going to be, you know, stuff that you wouldn't necessarily expect to hear on a Myers Fall Victim album, but it's going to oh, be fun. nice. Yeah, our, our, our kind of our MO, even since we changed our name in 2007, was we, we both love and we do heavy music, but we're also really into melody and writing catchy hooks and choruses and having singing and lots of harmony. So mm -hmm. this album, to, to me, when I think of what we've created, it's our catchiest record yet. Like there's, there's choruses, there's parts that we hope are going to be earworms for people. And then yeah. some of our heaviest, most aggressive stuff is on this record, uh, you know, because some of the themes we've explored uh, definitely take you to a dark place. And we tried to write music that reinforced that. Like we said, we did a song and two songs in drop A, you know, mm -hmm. so we got to do some, some doom metal. So there's like a real heaviness and an edge and an aggressiveness to the record, but it's yeah. also 
we hope that people can hear the humanity in it and the you know especially once tyler came on board we had four full vocalists so there's tons of singing and harmonies oh, wow. um, and i think mike as a lyricist he's the main lyricist for the band mike is at his best on this record so there's um, some really great introspective and kind of unique lyrics on the album so yeah. if you like heavy music and you like catchy music um yeah check out our stuff i think you'll enjoy it oh, nice. all the way from uh, i think uh like i'm trying to imagine what the pitch would be to someone new and i would say hey if you like wonder years welcome aboard if you like biker metal metal welcome aboard it just oh, kind nice. of spans the the entire range between that <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah how do you guys uh, come up with the the vocals then for uh for the tracks we're i think we're I, I think we end up writing a lot of songs first with the structure so okay. like guitar um drums and then sometimes we'll have like a a melodic or a lyrical genesis to something okay um, but i feel like a lot of time we're a rhythm section first and then the lyrics get started and then they yeah. end up kind of getting finished together i do feel like the the lyrics and melodies sometimes are one of the last things to get finalized for our songs right, um, right, right. but it's all it gets developed concurrently but definitely i feel like that the structure and the underpinnings of the songs are there first and we can kind of hear where it's going and then and then mike or Evan or myself will come up with a lyric or a melodic kind of like starting point. And then it yeah. just kind of blossoms from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're, we're, when it comes to writing, we're more of like a, and driven by inspiration. So, you know, like Dan will have an idea that he brings to practice and, you know, they'll, they'll hash it out with the rhythm section. And then we kind of just have that demo that we're listening to in the car for like weeks and weeks until something strikes us. And that's what a lot of my writing process inspirations. is. Inspirations. <laughs> playing it in the car and just being like, oh, what if this, how would this sound here? And then, you know, screaming it there and in the shower and whatnot. And then you know, <laughs> eventually bringing that to the band and being, you know, well, here's this. And then they suggest this and we kind of build from there. Uh, so we're always just kind of like looking for an opening into the song. And then it seems like it kind of all pours in. Right. Right. But Mike is also very modest. He's got some uh, literary killers on the album. I think he, yeah. he's got a way with words. And I, I think you're going to see that when you listen to the lyrics and as you read the lyrics. And obviously we all contribute. But I think I'm especially famous for just saying like, ah, here's the framework for an idea, but Mike, make it better. So I just yeah. do want to kind of recognize that. Yep. <laughs> you had mentioned uh, bringing uh, some other people in to doing some uh, vocals with s- some other tracks. Uh, do you want to speak on... Uh, Sean Henry, how it, how it was working with him? Yeah, Sean has been um, like a, a big friend of the band for a long time. Um, and he's, you know, done vocals for us before at like live shows, just because, you know, he's always been someone who was around. And, you know, yeah. he's the kind of guy where like, if your mic stand is falling or, you know, yeah. you lose a pick or something, he's the one going to grab something for you to make sure. The oh, show okay. goes <laughs> he's good. The real heroes. Yeah, he's a real <laughs> good live performer. So there were times where like he was helping us out and, he would notice like, oh, you know, like there's a lot of screaming parts here. Do you want me to hop on? And, um, you know, so he had done some screaming for us, but he's got a fantastic voice, um, real great singing voice. So we got him in on uh, Mother Tongue just because there's this part sort of in the the bridge of the song Uh uh, towards the end that just like really fit his vocal style because he's got a beautiful voice, but he can add like a lot of edge to it when he wants to. He's got real great control of his tone because he does so many styles. He's he plays in a bunch of different bar bands um, and cover bands. And then he does like, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like gothic. Um, like horror punk. Horror punk. Uh, is, yeah, horror okay. punk. 
Yeah. Um, he used to be in a pop punk band that was in the this area. Fits. Um, I think he's yeah, in like a, a metal band at the same time now. So he's very, very eclectic. Um, so it was great to have Sean on the record finally because we've never, that was another thing, we've never really done guest vocals on our records before. Okay. Um, but this being the last record and it, you know, being about us, themes on here that have to do with the scene that we grew up in as well and sort of, you know, taking where we came from um, and also trying to pass that torch as well and hoping that someone's going to pick it up and, you know, right. start where we left off. Right. Um, so it, it, it felt right to have some of our closest friends uh, from the scene on the record. Yeah. Yeah, we had, um, I think we had four guest vocals in total, right? We had Sean on yeah, Mother Sean Tongue. Henry on Mother Tongue. Um, and then the other single we have out, uh, Do Not Go Gentle, we had our good friend Eric Sieglin, who another one has, you know, hopped on the mic for us before at live shows. Um, so he used to be in a band called Fall of the Queen that we did a tour with that, you know, yep. we used to play all the local shows with. We had, you know, we play with them all the time. We yeah, play with them so much. A lot of overlap with our fans there. Um, he's now in a band called I the Collector that's doing some great stuff and putting out singles and really good hopefully, stuff. Hopefully, any piece soon. Um, so he's on Do Not Go Gentle. Um, our former drummer, Andrew Lister, who is now in a reggae rock band, Bright Eye Deliverance. Mm -hmm. um, has the voice of an angel and used to do a lot of our like softer singing parts uh, on our Beyond Repair and early Minds Fall Victim songs. He's on uh, a song called Longest Road. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, Dan Boyle from a band we used to play with called Sirens. They then changed their name to Falling Through the Center of the Earth. And then he's in uh, a like speed metal speed what uh siphon shit is the name of the band. <laughs> it's like a thrash punk thrash. Yeah, thrash uh, fucking amazing. Um, and he has a, a pop punk band called Double Overtime. Um, so he does some like fantastic uh, metal vocals. Um, so we had him on a, a song called The Struggle Continues uh, that we played on a, a radio show a couple weeks back. And that'll be on the album, too. So yeah, those nice. four spots uh, kind of early in the album, but the, they, they bring a lot of energy. It was like Ocean's 13, just like picking up the phone and calling every person he knows <laughs> the job. Like, yo, do you want in? And everyone's like, yeah, man, let's go. <laughs> Was uh, coming up with the the tracks and the songs was the idea of having uh, guest guest vocalists already there then? No, I think we kind of came to that later in the process as we were starting to like arrange you know where the the track's going to go on the album and you know starting to see it more as a, a whole. Um, and then you know I think when we we started to near the end of the process, we we all kind of agreed like you know, it would be cool. To have some vocalists on we've never done it before um there's yeah. so many singing parts and vocal parts on the album and, you know we're not we're all sentimental people too right so we want to we want to give <laughs> yeah. callbacks to the you know where we came from who's been in the right. band before yeah. uh mike and i brewed a, a beer to acknowledge the end of the album so we like to find sentimental value in a lot of different things and obviously as we start to approach the end it came to be well okay how do we involve more people who are involved with the entire journey to the best yeah. of our abilities that we can so it was just a natural progression and then a fun time of picking who uh, who you want to be on there <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah the, the, the choices were kind of obvious just because like these were like the bands that we were like closest you know tied to in the scene yeah um, you know and you know half of them were people that were already you know they had like parts in songs where if they were at a live show and that song we were playing, they were going to hop right. on the mic for certain parts. Um, so oh, yeah. it was kind of obvious to ask the, the people that we had on, you know, to join us. Nice. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of uh, Sean Henry and mother ton, uh, we could play that uh, right now uh, on the uh, podcast and everyone can check that out and hear it. And we will come back and 
chat some more. <laughs> so check that out. This is called Mother Tongue. to remind myself the next time the listeners are going to listen they'll just have heard mother tongue which is like it has like a it's an aggressive song especially the ending yeah it's like a big breakdown so i'm I'm trying to prime myself all right we're coming back hopefully they're just you know listeners are just rocking out to a a big breakdown you know what i mean oh yeah for sure (laughs) oh a little sweaty over here (laughs) yeah okay and we're back and that was mother tongue so yeah, wipe off your brows from the <laughs> from the breakdowns. <laughs> yeah. What was it all for, people? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So off mic, we were talking about local venues and local bands and uh the idea of them now with uh COVID happening, you know, uh a lot of bands and stuff might might have a difficult time trying to continue on. And and what did you guys think about that? Uh as far as bands starting up, starting up again. Yeah, we were talking, I mean, we we're talking, it's, it's kind of weird to imagine how these bands are going to find a way in with, you know, you know, it, it was hard enough before COVID to find yeah. places to play, you know, where 
especially for aggressive music there, you know, all those venues, you know, either shut down or kept going, but stopped having shows going on there. And uh, back you know, in I, my day. <laughs> yeah. Like I remember we used to try to go around to like VFW halls and like, you know, try to book them and they'd be like, well, you got to have like a half a million dollar insurance policy. And <laughs> I'm sure it's even worse now with the requirements uh, they're going to want because of, oh, yeah. of doing anything yeah. for, you know, COVID if they're even open to those uh, possibilities yet. Um, so I, I, I kind of have a hard time picturing how these younger bands are going to find that first venue that they're going to get a chance to play at. Right. Also, it was like the introduction, right? So in other words, we all grew up and we went to our first shows and we saw those bands that were playing in the scenes and thought, that's so cool. I want to do that. Yeah. Right? Right. But now, I don't know if people will have that same experience. Maybe they'll just say, okay, I just want to put out an album, right. but not really have that drive to, to play that underground scene and therefore kind of allow that to fall to the wayside. So I'm curious to see how yeah. that develops. Yeah, right. Because yeah, because that's how you make uh, the people come see you. Uh, you. You start off, and, and then they get to know you, and then you keep continuing uh, to play. And then, by word of mouth of all of them, more people come out and stuff. And and now I don't know. I don't I'll, know. I'll be the, I'll be the optimist here. I'll quote uh, Jurassic Park: "Life <laughs> finds a way. Somehow, <laughs> kids are going to want to just find a place to get out their angst and play." eventually in a packed you know basement venue because the allure is still there i think it's gonna be more challenging but i'm hope i'm hopeful that somehow um kids will figure out ways to still make music and still make art and do something different not to be a grim realist either but i think some of the uh places we used to play were, were, were uh like restaurants yeah used to play vfws yeah. and i think there's a lot of places that you know financially could use some extra income. So right, maybe right. as a, as a result of that, they'll start yeah. introducing new streams and the, some of those streams being, Hey, let's have some bands come play on a Friday or Saturday night. Why yeah, not? Right. Evan, you sound like the lawyer from Jurassic park. Like, <laughs> oh, we can merchandise it, put it on a lunch. Insert dinosaur sounds here. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a coupon day or something <laughs> <laughs> <He's> the, op- <laughs> the grim reaper he's finding a way <laughs> i mean there's a reason my nickname was evan corporate in high school okay <laughs> How dare you. come here my eyes fall victim at mcdonald's <laughs> if you utter our name we will see you to death but come see us well there is that there's that a video that went kind of viral uh from before COVID, um, I think it was New Jersey of a, a band playing, and playing in a Denny's. Oh shit! <laughs> but the F is up, Denny's. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they're open all night, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they just like pushed all the tables to the side and just <laughs> set up the PA, and they were good. That band sounded dope. If you listen to that that clip, like they were actually like a sick like hardcore band, just like yeah. throwing down in a Denny's. I mean, let's go, man. What most people don't realize is that noise curfews don't apply to Denny's. Oh yeah. <laughs> There's a lot over my hammy. <laughs> There's a lot that doesn't apply to Denny's. Reach. <laughs> oh yeah, that seems to be a regional thing. <laughs> or or a non-regional thing, I should say. <laughs> I mean, it's no Waffle House, right? We don't have those up here, but we've got Denny's. Yeah, we, we we have them deep south here in uh, Illinois. It's like Illinois Missouri border. Nice. <laughs> Do you guys have uh, in and outs out there? uh no no we don't okay it's, it's no, one of our tour favorites so we're just no no, no, in and out. no not like, in and out in and out's the west coast one you're thinking of steak and shake 
Steak and Shake. Oh, we do have them. Hell yeah, man. Oh, yes. We found those on tour. In, steak and uh, Shake, Denny's, Cracker Barrel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We found love in a Steak and Shake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't have those out here. So, uh, yeah, getting back to, uh, to the album, uh, what, what do you want the your fans and people to know uh, the last album, you know, being being uh, on your way out, I guess, with it. and Now or never. Out, going out, in, <laughs> going I mean, out would, in a blaze. For me, I would say thank you, right? Uh, to anyone who has been along for the journey, thank you. Because yeah. I, I know that there is a, a breadth of material out there, right? You can choose to listen to anything you want nowadays. Oh, but there's I, so but much. If I, exactly. And that's a wonderful thing. I really do love the fact that there's so much musical proliferation, right? Because there's uh, a less barrier to entry now into the music market but um for everyone who has stuck with us and everyone who's listened and everyone who's actually cared about our releases thank you that's the message i want to send to our fans and anyone who's listening to this podcast right now thank you too right like (laughs) this is a podcast about music so if you are invested in music and in people and in bands yeah thank you in any way shape or form oh yeah yeah and i guess the other thing i would say is um we're a band that uh we try to be pretty intentful with what we do. So if we made a record, we put a considerable amount of time uh, and emotional commitment to it. So if you're listening to something from us, we, we've spent hours, days, years, crafting, perfecting, trying to get these songs to be as good as they can be um, and, and discuss the themes that we like to talk about and tell the message we want to talk about. So if you're looking for something to listen to where the people are completely passionate and invested behind it, um, we really do um, make that effort with everything we've done musically and especially on this record, knowing it's our last one. So there's a serious a level of uh, just emotional uh, content packed in there. So just know that you're getting like stuff from the heart, the, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between. It's all in there in the songs that we want to share with people. Yeah, very nice. I'll also say, um, you know, if you've heard a Maya's Well Victim song before and your, your interest has kind of peaked um, or if, you know, if you've been a fan of Maya's Well Victim from previous records, um, you know, when this album drops, give it a chance, you know, start to finish, because we did try to craft it as, you know, a journey for the listener, um, you know, where the, we were very intentional with what songs went where, what was following what, how they oh. lead into each other, you know, and even very as nice. intentional as far as like, you know, the first half of the album versus the, the second half of the album. And we tried to, you know, tailor it to the experience of, you know, coming to grips with a death or an end. So it's, it's kind of like going through, you know, the stages of grief where, you know, there's a little bit of denial in the beginning. And that's kind of what like, uh, do not go gentle is where not necessarily denial, but like, you know, this more gung ho aggressive, you know, like we're not going to go out without a fight type thing. Um, Whereas towards the end of the album, it it starts to get to like, oh, this is real. Like this is going to come to an end at some point. And what does that end look like? You know, the, the song that Dan keeps referencing about uh, the sort of like doom ballad yeah. uh, nine minute song we have is, is kind of what we viewed as like the, the metaphorical death of the band. And we, we mm-hmm. tried to write the song, you know, at what would it be like to die in yeah. that sense? Um, you know, and we literally have it sort of ending as it's like a funeral for the band. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the last song on the album is kind of where do we go from here? knowing that the band is over. So I would encourage anyone who, who, who does listen to our music or, you know, checks out, you know, these songs on this podcast and is interested um, when the album drops, listen to it all the way through. I think you're going to be rewarded for the experience. Oh, and I would actually nice. even um, go on top of that, right. And say that anyone listening to this podcast right now, any mm-hmm. artist that you listen to, 
I promise, has put a lot of thought into how their album is constructed from track one oh, all yeah. the way to the end, right? Like, I think that we live in a shuffle world, which is beautiful. I talked about the musical proliferation being a great thing, but I think that as a result, we tend to listen to albums and fragments or, or you know, just yeah. kind of like haphazardly. But there's a lot of intention that goes into the creation of how an album is structured from beginning to end. So I would just yeah. encourage everyone to kind of challenge that notion of, hey, like, I just like this artist. I'm going to shuffle their songs. Listen to an album, friend to yeah. end. Hope it's yeah. ours. But if not, listen to any album, friend to end. And I'm sure it's a different experience. Yeah, it seems like that uh, nowadays they don't, uh, a lot of people don't understand all the work that goes into the final product, uh, you know, as, as, you know, a band or an ar- artist of, of any sorts, and they only see the end product. They don't uh, even podcast. They just right? assume like, that uh, everybody just walks into a studio and yeah. lays everything out in one, one try and, and then they just <laughs> walk away and it's done. It's not the issue. <laughs> yeah. It's like Evan said, it's, it's the, that's like the, the flip side of the coin of, the prolifer- proliferation or the commodification of music, right? And mm-hmm. there's so many platforms that were just inundated. So yeah. sometimes when you're on the receiving end of it, it's easy yeah. to view it as just something cheap and easy and accessible. But the yeah. people who are making the content, whether Jamie, whether it's your podcast, whether it's our album or any other artist record, there's just so much, you know, you put so much of your heart and soul into your work if you care about what you do. Right. Um, right. So it's trying to get, you know, make sure that people are still, you know, on the receiving end, understanding that, that that's part of the process. Right. And, right. you know, knowing that that's part of the the presentation of when you want to share something with someone. Right. So. That's why I love seeing uh, behind the scenes of, uh, you know, uh, of bands, you know, uh, go do, going and doing the recording or an artist actually painting or someone editing or you know all the behind the scenes stuff i i, I really enjoy that it makes you appreciate it more yeah, it's like oh i didn't know that's that's what you have to do for a show or that's what you have to do for a record or that you know yeah that the agony and the ecstasy right that's the, yeah. the creative process right right i i think that's a good thing to show though too for you know, for everyone uh, to, to see that there is a lot of hard work that goes into it. Yeah, I mean, think of it like a movie, right? There, there are amazing parts of every single movie, but you don't you don't shuffle a movie. Right, <laughs> you watch right. it from beginning to end. Yeah. And it's not so different for an album as much as, you know, it's kind of become the norm to just hit that shuffle button. But there is right. a method to it and there's definitely thought behind it. And it is one collective piece. Yeah. Well, if you listen, like I was reading articles and there's tons of articles now about how bands and artists can better use Spotify, Apple Music, other platforms to to their advantage. And one of the biggest recommendations you'll see is don't release an album, release singles, release two singles sporadically yeah. throughout the year. Yeah, and that's that's just that they're trying to keep their content in front of their listener as often as possible, which right. obviously like we understand from a, from a business perspective and from a promotion perspective, that's great. But yeah. is that always is that always what's best for the art or for the artist in terms of trying to, to share something? So right, right. When, even when we were making this record, there's a part of us not to go back to the Jurassic Park thing, but like we we do feel like a dinosaur, like we're trying to make this 11 song record telling this huge story. And everything yeah. you read is like, hey, you probably should just drop one or two singles here or there and then do the same thing in a couple of months. But we yeah. we believe, like Evan said, in the idea of presenting a complete artistic work beginning to end. It tells a cohesive message. Um, right. And that might not be what's in vogue right now, but it's something yeah. that we st- we still believe in because it's what we personally enjoy when 
were really, um, you know, really passionate about the music that we listened to. And also making sure that it, like the, you know, product we're putting out is ready before we put it out. Like, you know, right. we've had a lot of comments on our, our stuff where, we, you know, we keep saying like, you know, like it's coming out, like just be patient guys. And, yeah. uh, you know, certain fans are not as patient as others, which we can certainly <laughs> understand. It's been like seven years since our last record, but uh, yeah, yeah, it was important to us to make sure that like when we finally did drop something, um, when we put Do Not Go Gentle out, the first single that it was like fully mixed, fully mastered. It wasn't just, you know, some teaser of something, yeah, not not a rush thing. <laughs> yeah, we, we wanted the, the the real product to be out there, so that it would be worth the wait when it finally did drop. And you know, right, we've got for sure, two singles out now, so that's good. Um, and uh, you know, we kind of feel the same way about the rest of the album. We're we're still technically in the mixing process uh, uh-huh. right now, finishing up some of the last songs on the album. Very yeah. close, so it, it yeah. will be soon. We yeah. just got we just got one last night, and I was just listening to it before I hopped on uh, this podcast today. Just you know, we're still mixing and tweaking and just yeah. making it as as good as it can be and you know it's it's like a long grueling process but well, in the end in the end we feel strongly like that's the way to do it put out the stuff when it's ready and especially since you know this could be uh possibly the the last album you want to be known for the best you know at the end there well yeah, it will be the last album that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> But will uh, it? No. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we we did we have talked about that before, where you know, like you don't you don't want to do the whole like Michael Jordan thing, retire and then come back and then retire again. Um, yeah. I, th- we, I think we've we've pretty much come to, to grips with you know, as Myers Fall Victim, this will definitely be the last album. I think we're ready to put that name and yeah. that sort of journey to bed. Um, but but I also kind of have no doubts that you know, in some way, shape, or form, uh, a bunch of us will be making music again and hopefully together. Oh yeah, nice. I have uh, another favorite band, uh, Bane, who also uh, oh, just yeah. formed, and uh, everybody's kind of like, "Can you do one more? <laughs> Can you do yeah. one more?" <laughs> was, Trying uh, to get them, <laughs> get them to was, form back together. One of the, I remember when I, the first time I heard Bane was on an Atticus CD. I think it was like Atticus Dragging the Lake. It was uh-huh. either one or two, and I remember hearing. I think it was "Some Came Running" was the song. Uh, oh, was okay. The first, Bane, first Bane song I ever heard, and that always stuck with me. <laughs> Oh, nice. My first one was, uh, can we start again? Yeah. So are, are you ready to do uh, some shows when, when everything uh, opens back up? Was anything like planned, uh, um, like a, a tour or uh, local shows or? We nothing, had... nothing concrete, but yeah, we, we were hoping to do some shows um, to close everything out. So we're really hoping that things do open up at some point so that we can do Certainly a few local shows uh, you know, for the fans who have come to see us over the years to, to have one last shot. Um, and then there's you know, places that we played out of state that we'd love to go visit again for one last time. Yeah, any uh, certain, certain venues, that, local venues, uh, uh, um, plan to hit up? And- I mean, a lot of the venues that we grew up on and you know, came up with uh, in the area are not really doing shows anymore. There was you know, oh, yeah. uh, a place we used to play for, you know, a couple years uh still water in um that burned down literally burnt down oh wow um that used to be some <laughs> really great local shows you know just like everyone packed in there like type of place where like you could reach up and touch the ceiling it was kind of so small um oh uh, yeah and then uh we used to play at this place uh ricky's barn in vernon which the barn is still there but i don't think they do uh shows anymore it was literally uh, just a barn it was just a barn where they had shows yeah to, it be was fair, to be fair, to be fair, Ricky's Barn, they actually now have festivals on their property. So it's not oh, okay. a barn, but they still right. do music. Yeah. 
Yeah. The barn was fun though. We uh, like meat. <laughs> meat locker. I'd love to play the meat locker one more time. I think meat locker's still around, so that would be a good a good time. Meat there. locker. Uh, meat locker is this like infamous venue in the North Jersey area in Montclair, where it's just like uh, about like as dirty and grungy as you can make a like punk venue. Um, <laughs> With the name know. meat locker. <laughs> oh, it's it's <laughs> it's the grossest, dingiest venue you could ever play, and it's the best place to play a show. It's so. Uh, it's just like the rawest place you can play a show. It's, it's real small, intimate stage, the type of place where it's just like stickers and graffiti all over the entire place. Oh, there's, yeah. usually, there's usually a few vagrants wandering around the place <laughs> while you're playing to make it, it, it interesting. It feels right. It yeah. feels right. And we actually, uh, we opened for Broadway there, if you're familiar with Broadway. Oh, yeah. Okay. Back in the day, yeah. So, nice. I mean, it wasn't just us playing there. Like, we're not just sitting in our filth. Broadway also is coming to our filth. No, yeah, if, you, yeah, if, you, if you Google uh, uh, Meat Locker, uh, you'll find a ton of live performances from some of the, you know, bigger bands um, in, in, in our genres, at least, for heavy, uh, heavy music. At some, at some point in their career, they played at the Meat Locker, probably. <laughs> I'd love to play Connecticut again. We had a couple of venues we were going to for a couple of years in Connecticut. And the space in Connecticut was great. Tons of just like really chill venues. Uh, we had a lot of fun playing in Maryland a couple times, Pennsylvania. So there's, and even like we did a, I think, I guess, was it once or twice we played, what was the Nashville venue? Was it Exit? The Muse. The Muse oh, the Muse. The Muse in Nashville is such a cool venue. We'd love to go out there and play again. Oh, nice. Yeah. I don't think we never played in Illinois. Yeah, um, we played Indiana. Indianapolis. Yeah. We played uh, a venue, Emerson Theater. Yeah. We, on our, our first tour, we like booked it ourselves um, and we ended up just booking all these venues that were not doing any promotion for us. And I think we kind of overestimated our draw in these areas. We played a lot of <laughs> a lot of venues where we were literally just practicing for ourselves, like not a single person showed up. And oh. one was Emerson Theater in Indianapolis, which is a huge, awesome venue. And I think uh, Insane Clown Posse had played the night before us. Oh, boy. And the, the venue owner was talking about like cleaning up Fago from the back. There was <laughs> leftover stage. There was leftover Fago everywhere. A lot of crushed oh, cans. Yes. Oh boy. <laughs> How can you compete with that? <laughs> we couldn't. <Yeah>. We couldn't. <laughs> Are there uh, any bands uh, that that you would want to play with? Uh, be, being these last uh, ones would be the last ones. Um, I'd love to play with uh, Falling Through the Center of the Earth. That would be a, a dope thing because Dan was just uh, on our one track, The Struggle Continues, but yeah. they're, just, they're a phenomenal band. I'm a huge fan of their music. We used to play with them when they were under a different name. I forget. Yeah. What was the old Siren. name, Mike? Siren. Sirens. When they were called Sirens. We used to play with them all the time, but I'd love to play another show with them because they're just uh, a phenomenal act. Yeah, I think really all the, the the guest vocalists that we had on their current projects would be great to play with. Eric Sieglin uh, on Do Not Go Gentle. He's got Ida yeah. Collector out now that's putting out some great stuff. Um, yeah. And then our buddy Andrew plays in a, a reggae rock band, Bright Eye Deliverance. Uh, yeah. You know, so it'd be a more eclectic show, but that would certainly <laughs> be fun. Yeah, I think uh, I think honestly, and our, just oh, like... I should mention our, our bassist is in that band as well. <laughs> that is true but i think that anyone who we played with in the past who still exists any recreation through any of the members on those bands um you know even internally in our band mike just mentioned that our bassist alex plays in bright eyes deliverance but also our, our buddy tyler is about to put out a small ep with you know ronnie who we mentioned earlier in this podcast yeah. who helped us through the recording process so hey Bring them all, right? Like yeah. we, we've got a lot of connections over the years. So let's just construct a show. 
that would be my ideal version of, hey, if we had to design it from scratch, let's make sure it has connections to us in all the yeah. ways. And they can all be there to do their parts for uh, the album. Uh, for their for yeah, each song. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's how you guarantee everyone stays the entire show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, from past shows uh, you guys have done, any of them uh, stick out in your mind as, as being uh, some great ones uh, that you've had before? We I think those, the, those venues that we mentioned, uh, Stillwater Inn, you know, those were some of our, our best early shows. The, the one in particular that sticks out is before we went on that kind of pitiful tour, we did a, a tour kickoff where the tour kickoff went great. I mean, we had we literally packed the place to the brim. Um, we sold like a ton of merch, you know, being like, help us out. We're going on tour, um, yeah. just like a really supportive community. And just like, you know, we felt like Kings playing that show and then we oh, nice. tour and played to nobody for the entire week. Um, and then all, all the Ricky's Barnes shows were, were always great. It was just, you know, a, a big place, but even with that, like we, we, the bands would kind of pack it and just a lot of energy there. Um, so I think those are the ones that in my mind always, always uh, ring true. We played um we played a bowling alley in Maryland and then it was either the same weekend or I don't know if it was a different tour the band that we also played with at that bowling alley hosted a, a house show at yeah. the one guy's backyard in Maryland <laughs> and it was just like the most welcoming like supportive go ahead Evan you have corrections to it go no, ahead. I was gonna <laughs> shout out to to Lewis it was his house oh Paco, yeah yeah yeah, yeah Paco <laughs> so he literally hosted a show at his house it was he let us stay at his house the night before. And then we ended up like playing a bowling alley that was on the verge of shutting down in Maryland, but it was just like the coolest vibe. Everyone was like super into the music and the local bands had like all their fans there. Oh, nice. Um, we played, Mike, what was that one bar in Boston, on, like the south side of Boston that we played? Um, oh, I always confuse it with the one in Ohio. Which one was, was it Bogarts? It, it might've been Bogarts, Bogarts Pub. Be what was and we the was all, was that the Ohio one? I think that was the Ohio one. It, it was something like that. Bogies or. It was just like, like the most stereotypical, like South side of Boston, like pub. And they had like a whole, there were, it was funny. We were talking about the band you had on last time, but it was like all like huge kill switch engage fans. Oh. And we weren't sure how we were going to go off. Cause there was like super tough, like Bostonian looking people from the yeah. South side. And they like totally dug our sound and like oh, we had nice. like the best time and incredibly the, welcoming. Yeah. And all the bands were super tight. We just like had an awesome time just playing in Boston. It was a lot. And of it was fun. like not, it was kind of like mention... a kind of like a sports bar. And it was the the weekend <laughs> that uh, the Bruins made it into the Stanley Cup Finals. Oh shit! All the bands were wild. like shouting it out during then. I remember one band. The guitarist literally like chugged a beer while he was chugging on a <laughs> oh, song, just like one hand. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> it was a good time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you have any uh, musicians or bands that inspired uh, your music and uh, the style from the from the beginning? Or yeah, I think that the the one that probably inspired us the most in our early days um, was Under Oath. Like that was like a, an interest that we all shared. Okay. Um, you know, where they they were really good at sort of doing what we've always wanted to do, which is blend heavy music with you know really catchy melodic parts as well. Yeah. Um, and you know bringing the heavy and the soft together so they were always sort of an inspiration for us I'm trying to think about uh who would inspire the, the latest album the most it, it's been like a lot of different uh, yeah it, was, it ended up being like in the when we were a younger band under earth was like a huge common ground um yeah 
I think like a like a hidden influence on especially our last record, the one or the one that we're working on right now, uh, yeah. was the Wonder the Wonder Years. A lot of us are actually big pop punk fans. So okay. like the album The Greatest Generation was like a huge one of our favorite records. And we just loved the way they handled multiple vocalists and harmonies um, and writing really real and raw, but also really catchy music. So I think a band like that really stuck out. I think like a, a, a mainstay of the past couple records has been Every Time I Die um, in terms of just like the rawness and into intellectualists of the, the lyrics and just the guitar work. So Every Time I Die has been like a huge idol for a lot of us. Trying to think I think, of other ones. I think what's cool is we all have different inspirations, right? So, I mean, we have some universal right. things that we all really enjoy, but we each have our own little niches that we, we, we dig into, right? Like you joked about Misfits earlier, but our bassist, Alex, huge Misfits fan. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely more on like the, hey, I'm a Porter Robinson fan. Like that's like mm-hmm. where my musical taste gravitates. Mm-hmm. But I think that we all kind of bring those elements into the music in different ways. Oh, and yeah. um, ultimately like, I like to think that we all like good music, even though I think some of my, my peers would probably question my 303 affiliations, you know, things like that. <laughs> but, uh, but no, we all, we all bring something unique. And I think that it, it makes it better in the end, right? If everyone was listening oh, to yeah, the same totally. music and that was it, and we all said, these are the four bands that are the best, our music would end up sounding like that, but it sounds something, like something different and unique because of the different things we bring to the table. Mike, I'm trying to think. Go ahead. Uh, Mike, I was trying to think, what were the other songs? Remember we, in that, we made that playlist kind of like, you know, um, archiving. What were some of the influence from the last record? What were like the other common ones that we had on there? I think, oh, well, I know our, our drummer, Rob, draws a lot of inspiration from the band Emery. I think you and Tyler yeah. do as well. So that, that, that definitely played a big influence on it. Um, we ended up putting like a playlist together on Spotify that was like songs that inspired Raise the oh. Black Flag. And it's like 31 songs long or something like that. Oh, yeah. And, uh, almost all of them are from different artists. So it, we, we kind of drew from like all over the spectrum and it kind of depends which song you're listening to yeah, on right. the record. You know, to, you know, like the Dan um, drew a lot of inspiration from uh, Deaf Heaven uh, for mm-hmm. some of like the later songs in the album, especially like that nine minute song. Um, mm-hmm. Dan drew inspiration from Bell Witch and Bell Witch. 86 mm-hmm. minutes, something like that song <laughs> that they did. We only went nine minutes, but uh, close enough. Um, <laughs> And then, you know, softer stuff as well, like uh, Wonder Years, um, Such Gold. Um, I think there was uh, some story so far influence on some of the uh, melodic parts and some of the choruses as well. So really kind of all over the spectrum. There's a song we got to like, Tyler and I got to pay homage to In Flames because it's just like old school, like melodic dueling guitar harmonies. That's one of the later songs. Oh, nice. Some old school, (laughs) the Gothenburg sound, some old school In Flames. That was a fun one. Nice. So, uh, the, the podcasting community is really great. I used to do it for a few years with a, a drunk movie review podcast. And okay, it was yeah. like kind of similar the, the parallels between like the podcasting community and like the, you know, the, the band community where like yeah, yeah, people just kind of, kind of wanted to help each other out. And I'll, I'll guest right, on your right. podcast, you guest on mine and shouting each other out. And I yeah. did a few like podcast festivals, which were like surprisingly fun. Oh, <laughs> and, like, wow. Again, like I'll similar... have to look into that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah. See all... if there's something going on in the, in Illinois. But uh, this, yeah, a lot of this fun. This will be uh, episode 36 for me. So uh, yeah, I'm still, awesome. still learning and still uh, getting it all. But, uh, you know, as much as I could do for, you know, the, the bands and people I interview, you know. I'll do it. It's great. Yeah, I think one awesome. thing that that Mike mentioned in his comment was just the word community, right? Yeah. So, yeah, 
community can be in the podcast realm. It can just be more generally in the, in the scene, but I think it's just, it's more of a collaborative environment now. It's not just one specific space, right? So just building that larger community, I think is, is awesome. So thank you for being a part of it and thank you for letting it thrive. Well, thank you for being part of, uh, being on here. So (laughs) absolutely. Yeah. And now, uh, as you know, with more people, uh, feeling the effects of COVID and stuff, it, it kind of means more for everyone to help help out in any way they can with anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're a band looking for a show. Let me talk to this guy. Only, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, we will uh, end this, I, I guess, uh, coming up now. We can end this uh, with uh, your last song, uh, Do Not Go Gentle. You, you want to talk about that? Yes, this was the the first single uh, that we put out for the record. Um, it was also like the the first song that we wrote for the record. Um, we had like that that this chorus from the song going for six or seven years now. We, we wrote it pretty early into the process. Um, oh, wow. We kind of knew right away that this would be the first single because it, it just has all the, the best elements of a My Fall Victim song. So yeah. it's you know it's got the aggressive verses, but it's got the you know really catchy choruses. And then, you know, something that's kind of become a signature for us is to, to go out on these big, uh, badass endings. Uh-huh. Uh, so, you know, we, we really love the way Do Not Go Gentle ends with these this huge gang vocal uh, sort of breakdown section. Um, so this is one that, like we said before, we had uh, Eric Sieglin, our buddy on um, from Fall of the Queen and I, the Collector. So he, he lent some great vocals in the breakdown of this song. And uh, yeah, hope everybody enjoys it. And then, Mike, do you want to talk about the, uh, the title a little bit? Oh yeah, Do Not Go Gentle is from uh, the Dylan Thomas poem, uh, Do Not oh, yeah. Go Gentle. Um, uh, it's most famously referenced in uh, Inception. Um, yeah, no, oh, yeah, yeah. No, uh, Interstellar. <laughs> okay. Wrong, yeah. wrong Christopher Nolan movie. Um, but it, it's, 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 it's a poem about um, kind of, you know, speaking with, I think in the poem, he's probably speaking to his father and saying, you know, I know you're dying, but, you know, don't go gentle. Like, don't go down without a fight. And, you know, don't let this be something that you just let happen. And that's kind of the theme of this song is, you know, we're not wanting to go quietly um, yeah. as this thing comes to an end. So, you know, we know it's ending, we know it's going to end, but we're and for the out. band as well, I guess now too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we're, we're going to go out, you know, with a bang and make sure that we, we put something out that, that means something right. um, and do it on our terms. Um, so yeah, that's All what right. that song is, is about. For sure. And a great title too. It hits hard. raise the black flag that's what life's about you know yeah all right (laughs) yeah um yeah so uh one last question uh, i guess for you uh being uh your many years of doing this uh together as a band starting from the very beginning uh, is there any advice you'd give to future kids wanting to start a band start touring start doing shows do it go for it like it's it's honestly no matter what path your life takes, you know, as you get older, being able to make music and, and make art and tell a message or a story, especially if it's with people you care about, th- there's nothing better. You know, we all do things that are apart from the band, but like being a part of the band and writing music and making an album, like that's, that's, that's the best thing, you know, doing something where you get to be in control of what you say and you don't have to report to anyone, but either yourself or each other in a friendly manner. Like it's, that's, that's why humans create, right? We all want to yeah. make something. We want to make something bigger than ourselves. Being in a band or making music or being an artist, that's the best way to do it. So if anyone's yeah. thinking about it, 
there's, there's, it's never too late to start and there's never a better time than now to start. Do it, go right. make something. Yeah, yeah to, to kind of speak to, you know, what we were talking about before with like community, like, you know, creation is the best way to, you know, bond with other people and, and make connections. Oh yeah. Right here in this call, Evan is one of my best lifelong friends. Wouldn't have met him if, you know, our drummer Andrew hadn't awkwardly walked up to him and asked him or told him he was going to be in a band without <laughs> my permission, you know, but like, you know, now Evan is one of my closest friends to this day, you know, some 15, 17 years later. So, oh, yeah. uh, so, you know, just, just get started with it, you know, find like-minded friends that you have or people you don't even know and right. try to jam and, and, and just create, you know, there's nothing better than creating and having something, a product out there that people can consume, you know, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I would say if you have the idea, you must, right? And and I think that there doesn't need to be any pressure put on it. There's nothing wrong with failure, right? You're you're at right. a point in your life where if you fail at at doing something cool like being in a band, who cares, right? Oh, like yeah. it, it doesn't make any sense not to go for it. I think that there's so many reasons that people create and make up for themselves as to why not to do things. Yeah. But if you really look at it under the microscope, there's not really a strong enough reason to drive you to inaction. I think if you yeah. have the feeling, if you feel it, and if you think that, hey, this is something I might want to do, explore that, feel it, do it. Yeah. If you fail, who cares? Honestly, yeah. <laughs> you create it in the end. And uh, I have a personal musical philosophy, which uh, doesn't always play out with our music in the end, but <laughs> I think all music is valid. So if yeah. you have a thought, put it down. If, if you want to record something, record it. Don't lose yeah. it everything's valid and everything is a, you know, I, I don't know how to describe what musical creation actually is. And I don't think yeah. anyone could really articulate it to you, but it's yeah. worth capturing no matter what it is. Mm -hmm. And nowadays with so many kids having uh, computers in their basement, you know, how accessible it is to, you know, just do it as opposed to how we grew up trying, you know, ha having to do it before, before mm -hmm. the computers and before everything was, so easy to do it yeah it's almost giving you a reason to do it that much more <laughs> exactly yeah start yeah. today start today yeah well where can everyone uh check out you guys' stuff at then uh as, as i know uh you guys stuff on facebook and youtube and yeah yep. spotify is great yeah search us on spotify um we're on bandcamp myasfallvictim.bandcamp.com that's got most of our links there you know we got our stuff on youtube uh facebook you can follow us on Instagram. Are we Myas Fall Victim on Instagram, I think? Or is it just ME? It's MEFV on Twitter, but Myas Fall Victim on Instagram. So follow yeah. us there. Hit us up. Yeah. Talk to us. And you know, our, our stuff's streaming pretty much any, anywhere you find music. So if you want to yeah. listen to Spotify. If or you're listening to Jamie's podcast on Spotify mm -hmm. or Apple Music, our music is right there too. So just go to the search bar and we got a bunch of music out already and then new oh, music yeah. coming out already. And I'll post the links in the description as well. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, we will end this with uh, your last single here. Do not go gentle. And uh, yeah, you guys don't go, gel go gentle in into the end here <laughs> as well. The awesome. album's called Raise the Black Flag. Go and check that out. And uh, Michael and Evan and Dan, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks, thanks for having me. us, Jamie. Thank you. Thanks, man. All right. Thank you. And Best of wishes with everything. Thanks. <laughs> nice. <laughs>
So is this where, because I was listening to, uh, we don't have to be quiet right now, right? We're good. No, yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll edit all, all of this afterwards. I, I apologize. I didn't know when we were officially starting. So when I called, I, when I said Evan looked like a fucking Navy helicopter oh. pilot, I didn't know we were live. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll edit everything, so. Okay. Okay, cool. I didn't know where the official like, hey, we're live part oh, was. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have roasted his wife. That's going to come oh, back no. to bite <laughs> Oh, that's what was happening before I could hear anything. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Evan, like... welcome. <laughs> oh, hey, friend. Yeah, buddy. Oh, you'll hear it on the podcast, Evan. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Don't listen to this. <laughs> Tori, Tori, if you're listening, turn it off. And you are listening to a monster production. Ha 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 ha!